3: Hello and welcome to One Life Left, uh, live on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, welcome to this, a very special show, which you'll be able to hear is without Steve Curran and Simon Byron. Um, they've gone on holiday. That's totally fine because I've been joined by a very, very special co-host with me today. Uh, I've been joined by Philippa War. Hello.
4: Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Have you had a good week? I mean, not bad, not bad. <laughs> Anything major happened in your life today? Got a new job. Brilliant. A new job.
3: <laughs> uh, what, what's
4: your new job, pick? Um I've joined Rock Paper Shotgun. That
3: is excellent so. news. That's super, super exciting. exciting. Yeah.
4: And obviously One Life Left. I've been banging on about that far more. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so
3: you are Rock Paper Shotguns for, you know, for, for your full-time job, but for tonight? For tonight, I ours. am One Life Left. Yeah, you are ours. Mm. Um... And not only am I joined by Pip in the studio, but I have a plethora of wonderful, wonderful guests. Uh, Today we are joined by Lee Alexander. Hi. Hi. We're joined by Mitu. I'm going to pronounce your surname incorrectly, so do you want to give it a... Yeah, it's uh, Mitu Kandekukukoros, because I like to collect surnames, apparently. Yeah, why wouldn't you? We are joined by Kerry Turner. Hi. Hi. And by Monica Ion. Yep, good enough. How how do you actually pronounce it? (laughs) Iona's okay. okay. Uh, okay, we'll go with that. Um, so, yeah, we have um, an excellent studio full of guests today, uh, and we are going to be doing a slightly different show from what you might be used to from One Life Left. Um, today we're going to be chatting to uh, guests in the studio, and we are also going to be hearing from other, um, let's be honest, we're all women here, Um We're going to be listening to other women from around the world who make games and who work in games um, about the interesting things that they do and how they work and how they got into games uh, and what they're going to be doing in the future. So we've got four profiles coming up. We've got some excellent music. um, The usual kind of stuff that you're used to hearing uh, on One Life Left. And I I don't see any reason why we should not get started with our first very special interview. I'm excited! With... Mitu! Oh my gosh, Where, that's not the best? order we're sitting in, oh my god. <laughs> no, I, know. Okay. I have not made anybody aware of orders yet. Mitu, um, <laughs> hi! Hello! Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I haven't seen you for a long time, I think no. since GDC back Probably. in Probably, I'm
5: kind of a recluse, so I like to just sit in my room and code, mostly. That's
3: totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, how are you doing? Yeah,
5: not too bad, thank you. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, so you work at The Tiniest Shop?
5: Yes, um... The tiniest shark is my micro studio. In other words, it's just me um, <laughs> and a bunch of freelancers when I can uh, when I can hire them. Um, Essentially, Mitu is the tiniest shark. I am. Yeah. Well, mm. it's like it's kind of this weird thing where the tiniest shark is meant to be my weird conceptual mascot in like. Because <laughs> indie dev is this weird, lonely endeavor, and so everyone needs an imaginary shark friend. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs>
3: uh, where did the name
5: come from? Um, oh gosh, yeah, it's it's um it's kind of like a reference to like the fact that there is always like a bigger fish sort of thing, yeah. and it's like about being um, being small yet um, shark-like, I suppose. <laughs> hungry, um, hungry, hungry for success and indie <laughs> games. <laughs> Gonna um, climb uh, up
4: the food chain.
5: Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, but um, no, it's. I mean, really, sharks have always been this like really scary. Um, they're, they're the monsters of the sea, essentially, right? And I've always been really scared and fascinated by them. And so it's this weird like metaphor for indie development, <laughs> where I was like, okay, I'm gonna go strike out on my own, and it's like making something really scary, really cute and accessible. If you see what I mean.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and. And it's you you it's just you in the studio, um but you've managed to make a game quite a big game
5: um yeah, so um last year I released uh, my first commercial game, red shirt, um so that was uh, me doing sort of design and code and I worked with some really talented artists and uh, um, uh, musicians and um yeah i was um I was really pleased with how it was received. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm pleased to say it's an Indicate finalist this year, so yay! Excellent yay. work. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, can you
3: tell us some more about the game for listeners who maybe haven't played it? Maybe uh, not even yeah. heard Yeah,
5: so um, Redshirt is basically this sort of. Uh, tongue-in-cheek social networking uh, simulation game. Um, It's basically about being uh, this nobody on this future space station um, possibly referencing some well-known sci-fi shows. Uh, And um, it's basically about just sort of climbing your way up the career ladder um, and the social ladder and um, basically trying to um, yeah, trying to sort of manipulate your way up the ladder in a way. It's a very sort of, I guess, sort of darkly tongue-in-cheek game.
4: I Where, think I played it, and I, well, I played it quite early on and I decided to sort of try and work my way up. Yeah. That lasted about five minutes right. and then I decided to seduce my way off that <laughs> stage, I think that is so. the most...
5: I mean, you can sort of play it in this very <laughs> earnest kind of way, but ultimately it's a game about... Um, it's sort of like this commentary on um, sort of living on this sort of utopian sort of post-capitalist society, but actually how... Um, we'll always maybe be sort of stuck in capitalism, even if it's about social capital. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
3: Um, but it's also got puns. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you write a lot of puns in your work? Is that some, Do you find, like, humour is a good vehicle for the kind of work that you... For you've... darkly dystopian work, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, like... So this is your current project you have future projects that you're working on I do yeah
5: Um, so Redshirt is going to get an iPad release as well Mm -hmm. um, in the near future Um, and I'm just sort of ramping up work on my next project right now which will be a very different kind of game Um, but yeah I can't talk about it too much I've been having very scary businessy meetings about that yeah
4: uh, is it close to what we had in Redshirt or is it a complete different game? It's a completely different game.
5: I mean I think for my next game I want to make something less weird and niche and something that's more like I can give to my mum or like oh, yeah, yeah. um so something that's for everybody basically.
4: Um, Did your mum end up dying on the ship then? Is that what this is? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit impenetrable
6: for her, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Uh, and so, it, are there other things that you are looking to explore around games, or you, do you focus mo- mostly on one project at a time? You know, being a like a studio just of yourself, or do you let yourself give yourself the room to work on a variety of things at the same time?
5: I'm really bad. Um, as much as I like to think I'm I'm good at multitasking, I'm really not. Um, <laughs> I end uh, I end up getting really hyper focused on things. I find, um, and so I. Um, even though I'm like, OK, I'm going to have this project. And then I'm also because the ideal thing, I think, would have been um, and this is the sort of advice I've heard um, for a lot of indies is sort of get your while you're while you're finishing up a project, have the next thing lined up and like know what that is. And I fully intended to do that. But while you're sort of caught up in sort of crunching to to get to to get to the finish, you just sort of lose sight of that. And then you're sort of you finish the game then you're like oh no what now sort of thing so um so yeah i mean but i i as well i sort of gave myself some breathing room after redshirt because it was a very intense time trying to get um trying to get that released and um i mean i was very lucky that i actually worked with um positec games um who published redshirt for me so they they at least uh took some of the sort of brunt of the sort of marketing load and and things like that so um you know it's very much like wearing like indie business training wheels as it were Um, so I was lucky in that respect but um, but yeah I think now I've had some uh, had some breathing room I'm sort of yeah just getting back uh,
3: getting back on track do you find you're able to like balance uh, your life when you're working by yourself um uh, no. On something super intensely. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, no. Um, so I'm also, well, I was also meant to be finishing my PhD while I was working <laughs> on Red Shirt, which totally got sidelined. And so I've also been trying to do that for the last, you know, because I, I don't give myself enough things to do, basically.
3: <laughs> uh, what's your PhD in?
5: Um, so my PhD is also looking at sort of video, video game stuff. Um, I'm sort of looking at um, how different controllers sort of affect our sort of critical distance from... Um, from a game as we're playing it, basically. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm doing that at the University of Portsmouth. But um, I've been doing that forever, though. I mean, I keep looking (laughs) for excuses um, to distract myself with. And um, so, yeah, I've just come up with another one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One. Um, And you also do uh, a lot of speaking engagements around?
5: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love to advocate for games and um, I think public engagement um, uh, with games is a really important thing. Um, I'll be doing um, an event, I think, in two weeks at the Royal Academy of Engineering, which I think Kerry's going to be showing uh, her game there as well. Um, mm-hmm. She's nodding, so I think she said <laughs> yes to <her. laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, just getting um, non-sort uh, of audiences who don't typically engage with games into games is super important and you know uh, games are just as uh, important culturally as any other medium we have and i think sort of the more increasingly people realize that the the better we will do as an industry as well
3: do you feel like there's been uh, more uh, more events uh going on sort of outside of the games industry because obviously You don't want to be too introspective and there are some great uh, conferences and festivals and talks and things that go on where the games industry is talking to itself. But have you found that there's sort of been an increase in uh, opportunities to speak to... Just sort of at different cultural yeah, events. Yeah,
5: definitely. Um, yeah, that's definitely been increasing gradually, and I'm really pleased to see that. Um, I mean, um, there's always Game City, of course, which is always super fantastic. Yes. Um, and what is it in year five this
3: year? Is it year yeah? Six? I think um, uh, yeah, it's five or six something like that. Yeah,
5: and you know, I I just think so, sort of seeing things like that, seeing games uh, recognized for the sort of for the important cultural medium that they are, um, is super fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Are you at
4: games that BAFTA's doing as well, like the yeah. you know, game developers and the yeah talks exactly and the resources they put on. So. Yeah, definitely. And
5: yeah, I've been really lucky to work with BAFTA. They um, so I and uh, four other game developers were. Um, were named as breakthrough brits essentially and that's out of 17 um, people from like film and tv and all these other industries that BAFTA have always represented and to have that many people representing games is super fantastic and I think BAFTA is just doing such fantastic Mm. work.
3: What does it mean to be a BAFTA breakthrough Like I have no idea. (laughs) What do you have to do? I want to break through into something. Maybe it's not BAFTA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not
5: sure what exactly I've broken through into, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's been this sort of um, experimental thing for BAFTA as well, where they're just, you know, it's sort of just about just putting um, creative people just on sort of like a weird pedestal, I suppose. Does it feel
3: almost like a seal of approval? Like, well have to kind of think some of things, so <laughs> guys, you better pay attention. I, suppose I
5: haven't been using that enough. I just need to use that in advertising red shirt, really. Yeah. Like BAFTA approved. Mm, BAFTA win. And it's not BAFTA winning, but you know what I mean. Well, I could probably push that a bit too far.
3: We'll they should t- have a badge.
4: It should be BAFTA badge winning. <laughs> BA- badge holding. You know? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe
3: something along the lines of a uh, Blue Peter badge. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, who, who wouldn't want one I'll of go those? home and make my own right away. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, BAFTA you. approved Mitu. too. <laughs> and, uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing from you throughout the show and uh, let's have our first profile.
0: Hi, my name is Ariel Grimes. I'm an underground game maker of sorts stationed in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I do freelance game design consultation as well as sound design freelance. I'm a bit of a jam developer. I really enjoy game jams. I uh, love the energy and pressure of a 48-hour deadline I do tend to work solo, doing, like, all the scripting, art, design, writing, animation, music, etc., etc., on my work. Uh, When I do work with others, it tends to be for music and sound design when I can't really fit it into um, my schedule. And I've only really started releasing games in April. I've released six small to micro games, maybe you could call them. My games tend to focus a lot on queer issues and self-care, very important for me, and I see them as, like, a form of therapy. A lot of my work is praised for, like, its emotional reaction that it gets um, within the player, and I get a lot of feedback about that, and it's really nice. Um, I recently released Broken Folks, which was developed for the um, Ruin Jam game jam. And that's like an interactive story of sorts about queer folks and their struggles and their lives. And uh, that was featured on Polygon, which was pretty great. And I'm currently working on about a four-player competitive game. And I'm also porting a Game Jam game of mine uh, into 3D with a new engine with Unreal Engine 4. That's what I'm currently up to.
3: Uh, you Won't Remember Me by Infodrive, Drive, uh, and all of this music that we're playing today is taken from chipmusic.org, as all of our music usually is. Um, let's have a little chat over this music then. I'm going to say hello to you over there, Lee.
2: Hi, Anne. How Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm all right, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Good, good, good. It's been about. Uh, it's been like a couple of years since the last time I was here, I think.
3: It sure has. Yeah, but you've been on the show quite a bit.
2: Uh yeah, a few times. I'm
3: gonna call you a veteran I, of proud One to Life be Left, I, and I. I survived. Happily saw your uh, little One Life Left badge.
2: Oh yeah, it's on that my you wear. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, friend of the show.
3: <laughs> always once on the show, always a friend of the show. And friend of karaoke. Definitely friend of karaoke. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then. you part of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've been doing some exciting things recently in the world of books.
2: Um <laughs> you recently
3: published a book called Clipping Through.
2: Yes, um I did. It is my second ebook. This one is self published and it focuses on the experience of life and work through the game in the game industry, um, through the lens of my personal experiences. In a lot of ways it's stories that I've kind of always wanted to tell, um, but didn't really you know, know, how. So it's it's about relationships with developers. It's about what it's like to be at GDC. It's about what it's like to be at the IGF and, and things like that. And uh, times that I was scared and times that I didn't know what I was doing or times that I felt opinionated and confident, rarely. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it hopefully takes people inside a little bit what it's like to travel and cover video games and work uh, up against the industry in the way that they do.
3: I found it uh, such a great read. Thank you. Because... Um well for a few reasons. One, it uh, I was at that GDC and I spent some time with you and your writing is uh it just put me back in that place completely which was great. But I think that it is just incredibly uh honest about what it's like to be at an event like that. Um and just sort of to be putting yourself out there as a writer and uh and sort of like your, your own emotional connection with the things that you're writing about and your own personal connections with the things that you're writing about and the things that you're experiencing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really refreshing because I think that, you know, we read a lot of people's articles and, yes, there are, they are sometimes personal as well, but it's not so much about the process around it and the stress that it can sometimes put you under. Yeah. Being a games journalist is not always... Yeah. super easy. No
2: it's, it's a bit challenging it's a very crowded and competitive field there's a lot of anxiety about how we do our work and what the purpose of our work is and we don't all share the same opinions on those um, you know we work close to the industry but we're not in the industry we're not games developers so we're in the position of having really strong feelings and opinions about games and about creators um, but without necessarily having the respect of, of engaging in that creative process ourselves so we're all kind of circling this conversation about video games and trying to contribute to it and uh, it can be a it can be an uncertain space, and especially um, being for me as as like a visible woman in the industry, it's always been um, an anxious experience to be um, in the crowds of a big game developer conference and uh, not know where I stand with people and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, in a way, it's a lot of my unique experiences, but I also thought um, it might be relatable for a lot of people, no matter where they were at in the industry and what their role in it is. Um, I've got a little clip of the book because we um, had a lovely,
3: lovely time uh, a few weeks ago recording yeah, thank you a so chapter much for doing that. from the book, and that's uh, available for people to listen to for free. Um, so, yeah, let's have a little uh, listen to that, and I think it sort of relates to what you were just speaking about then.
2: Okay. Snake Eater is a game about the Cold War. A conflict of threat, anxiety, attrition, a conflict about lying in wait, watching your enemies secretly, holding your breath. At its best, the game plays like that, too, if you are good, and playing snake-eater well means, above all, no kills. There is no other war game like that, where mastery is about how few people you can kill, not how many. I play games because I like mastery. I hold a controller because I like to be in control. In Snake Eater, there is only me, belly down among softly waving blades of grass, orienting my sightline delicately, going for that perfect, silent headshot. The muffled whistle and twang of my silencer, the soft, defeated moan of an enemy soldier just dropping asleep in the wilderness of Russia. Occasionally I miss or someone else spots me and things start to unspool. I start to lose control of my environment. I wish I could play GDC, play my whole career like Snake Eater. Committed to no kills. Committed to mastery. In perfect control. Never making too much noise. That's another thing. I always said being a woman in the game space was like playing Snake Eater. Good, unless you make too much noise, you draw too much attention. Then it quickly comes apart, and becomes a clumsy shooter, and you rage quit. I got the pigeon tattoo because I like the idea that true skill can be pacifistic, true mastery can be silent. I want to live my life like a no-kill game. That was lovely. Well, I, I, all credit to the recording, uh, the recording artist who, uh, who did that. Thank
3: you. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. So it, like, I found that that um, I really love that chapter in particular. And I'm really glad that's the thing that we chose to record. And I think there's some like just the way in which you sort of relate your experiences in game to how uh you sort of want to exist i mean you got a
2: tattoo lee i did and a lot of it's, it's a little tattoo of a bird it's um for people who aren't familiar with metal gear it's the emblem that you get if you manage to complete the whole game without killing anybody um and which i challenge myself to do like it doesn't count unless i achieve that when i whenever i play metal gear 3 so uh yeah i just um I liked that as an emblem to adopt, and now everyone asks me, like, what my Twitter tattoo is about, because it's a tiny bird. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, now they just do that to be rude, because they know what it is, but... Well,
3: um, yes, yeah, so, so that's, like, uh, it was, a, like, a very um, descriptive uh, piece about uh, a very specific time. Like, do you think that you're going to continue writing about those kinds of things? What what kind of stuff are you hoping to write about in the future?
2: Well, so I've been writing about video games for almost uh, about eight years now and I have done some traditional journalism and I've done some news writing and I have done you know interviews with countless developers and I write about games as a critic um, and I write about them as someone who studies design so often it's letting the designer speak for themselves and other times it's reporting on my own experiences and feelings of something that I've played um, with the hopes of informing a reader about the game and why I think it's interesting Um, but I've been experimenting a lot lately with doing uh, more personal writing um, more creative writing around games and um, self-publishing a lot of my own things kind of on the side you know I I do want to continue um, to sustain my career largely at a remove from uh, things you know I want to keep the focus on on the developers who make games and on the games themselves but in my free time I guess you could say I've been Um, doing personal storytelling around games. I did a short story um, not too long ago as a sort of test bed for these ideas. It's called The Unearthing. Um, And it's on my website, LeeAlexander.net and it's a piece of speculative fiction about what if I went to the Atari dig when they dug up all the Atari games in the (laughs) desert um, which I didn't actually go to. And uh, the piece that I'm writing now, um, it's not titled yet and I don't want to say too much about it because I don't know if I'll be able to (laughs) execute it well, but um, it is a story about completely fictional characters experimenting with codependency issues um, with with the game Silent Hill at the center of their conversations which, Silent Hill 2, I mean, which is a game about codependency. So I'm trying to find ways to portray games people who play games and people who make games that are unconventional um so we'll see how i do at that i mean you're saying earlier about how um sort of not being
3: in the games industry not making games but being around it like Mm -hmm. where where do you position yourself like when you talk to people do you say i work in the games industry or do you describe yourself as a
2: writer of things around games It depends. I want to make sure that I'm not claiming ownership over work that I don't do. But, you know, I've made some games. I've made some text games. And my business partner and I consult on games um, for developers who need um, a little perspective on their projects. We can offer them design criticism and things like that. So that is I do consulting on the side. I make text games on my own. I feel very passionately about the industry and I speak at a lot of conferences. Um, You know, so I I don't know if it's so important um, what I'm called Um, I guess the way that I describe my work depends on who I'm talking to. That's
3: awesome. Um, And, okay, so you've got uh, short stories up on your website.
2: You've got this book is currently out uh where can we find all of your work lee um well if you go to LeeAlexander.net, there's a selected links section that usually has some of my favorite stuff including uh, a place to buy this book on gumroad.com um, and i should mention that um, i'm sharing the revenues for the book with um, liz ryerson who is an art- artist a critic and a musician and she um, contributed the art for my cover and she contributed afterward adding her personal experiences of events and things to mine um so my collaboration with liz means that i also get to pay someone that i respect so it's not just i'm self-publishing but i'm also trying to work with you know selfishly find ways to work with people that i like yeah
3: i I found that really really interesting about uh when you're writing about the work and how you're getting funded, and how you actually want to use sort of this as a platform to help other people, yeah. um, you know, make a bit of money as well. Yeah, um, the,
2: the writing ecosystem is very challenging, and there are more interesting people than there are jobs, especially when so many of us are women doing non traditional work. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't normal like positions. that at websites so we're trying to find ways to experiment in the new content economy many people are using patreon for example or people are doing videos or twitch channels i am trying to self publish short form works and see if people will pay one or two dollars for those short form works Um, my my book is on sale for five dollars because it's a book but you know my next story will be one or two dollars where i split the revenues with an illustrator maybe so i just have to feel like um If I'm always paying someone else, I'm creating opportunities for other people while I am also creating them for myself. And I wish, you know, I think that would, I think that's a good attitude to try to have um so i'm going to see if that works
4: Mm. it reminds me of um cliff's approach cliff from positech because obviously he's in a larger indie studio but sort of is supporting mitu and and sort of other yeah definitely and And i
5: think sort of all of us just in the game space are trying to figure out how to make this thing work right Mm. and there's lots lots of interesting
4: experimentation
5: happening
2: around that so and how to
4: include as many voices as possible and how to just make it as interesting as possible
5: Mm,
2: absolutely that's awesome yeah Uh, so i think ideally we're all looking at ways to bring other people forward and to diversify the space that we're in so um that's something i'm experimenting with
3: mm. amazing
1: well thank you um we're gonna listen to our next profile now hello my name is tina callenger and i'm from salt lake city utah in the united states i currently attend the university of utah where i'm a graduate student working towards my master's in entertainment arts and engineering on the producer track That's just a fancy way of saying that I'm earning my degree in video games. I work at the Therapeutic Games and Apps Lab, also known as the Gap Lab, which is a collaborative workspace between my program and the Center for Medical Innovation, also at the University of Utah. Last year in the Gap Lab, I worked on an application to help diabetes patients maintain their lifestyle changes and care plans, and this semester I'm working on a system that helps researchers connect and work together on their projects. In terms of personal work, I've contributed to a number of prototypes and released a Windows 8 game called Snowplace Like Home. Earlier this year, during the Global Game Jam, I helped create Homunculus, which is a body horror game that was displayed at Digger's Blank Arcade this summer. Um, Oh, my current team is making great strides forward in our thesis game, and that's called Foresight 404. It's a first-person playground runner where the player uses their ability to reveal and activate tiles. And they use that ability to navigate a variety of challenging abstract levels. It's kind of a mouthful, but it's really fun, I promise. And we're submitting that to the IGF competition at the end of October. I think about my future a lot these days, especially since I'll be graduating in May. I haven't figured out exactly where I want to work because there are so many different options out there. To be honest, I'd love to come work in the UK or Europe, because when I attended GDC Europe in August, I saw how amazing and welcoming the game dev community was, and I would definitely drop everything to relocate if it were an option. If I had to give any advice to someone who's on the fence about getting a degree in games, it would be, definitely do your research. Not all programs are created equal, and while my grad program has been an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything, your mileage may vary, so make sure it's something that you want before you commit to it. Also, be aware of imposter syndrome. I never feel like I quite belong, and I always hesitate to call myself a developer, and that's a feeling that many people share. So, listen, anyone can participate in games if they want to. There's no threshold you have to cross, there's no tests you have to pass, and there's no minimum level of education. You can make games if you really want to. I promise.
3: Are listening to uh, w- uh, wait, what are we? <laughs> One Life Left, <laughs> on that's right. Resonance. Thank you. Uh, we are One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. You can uh listen to the show live on www.resonancefm.com. If you're in London, you can listen to it on Res uh, 104.4 FM. Uh, you can hear the podcast by going on iTunes and searching for One Life Left or at our website www.onelifeleft.com. Um, And this music you're listening to right now is Underwater Cabin by Power Supply. And we are also joined in the studio today by Monica Yon. Hello. (laughs) Got it right, I got it right. Uh, Hello Monica, how are you? Hi, very good, thanks. Um, You are quite a good person to be having on this week, considering our guest last week was Ed Feer, who works at Mediatonic. Uh, You also work at Mediatonic? Yes, I do.
7: Yeah. Um, How's that? Uh, It's great. Um, Quite exciting times right now because we've got uh, several things nearing completion uh, completion and some new um, projects starting soon. So it's quite a lot going on. It's been a very, very busy period as we were... Um, finishing off her for boyfriend and um, things going into soft launch and yeah.
3: kind of gearing up again for more work. We talked about that a lot last week, so yeah. we are going to avoid pigeons <laughs> this week. Um, <laughs> but they're the best thing ever. <laughs> they are, and it's such a great game. Uh, but you didn't actually—you didn't work on that. That no, was your b- Brighton yeah. studio that yep. was doing that. Um, but you're an artist. Yes, I am. I'm so excited because I don't think that we've had a proper artist who, <laughs> who this proper. is what they do uh, on the show before and I was really excited I was looking at your uh, website last night which is? Uh, monicayon.com. Yes, uh, and I was looking at your illustrations and they're beautiful oh, Thank you. They're so so lovely um, So how So have you always been uh, an artist? Have you always been into illustrations and things? Um, yeah, basically since I was
7: little I've always really enjoyed drawing. Uh, I didn't Get to this in a very straightforward way. I did law at school, and um, that is I'm, not the same. No, and I, I did a one-year art psychotherapy course, until wow. and then I found this job, and I've been there for about two and a half
4: years now. What was it that allured you into uh, Mediatonic? Um, that they hired me. <laughs> no, no. They um, some of the their games were really,
7: really interesting-looking. They had amateur surgeon. They had um, monsters. Probably stole my princess. Um, Gigolo assassin, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other stuff. And their style was so quirky and so interesting. And they seemed like really nice people. So,
3: so is, okay. the f- is this the first job that you've had uh, in, the in the industry? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, that's like it's quite a leap to make uh, yes. <laughs> into it. Um, what? So what kind of stuff do you do now? Like I don't fully understand the process of making the art be in the game. Can you explain how that happens? Uh, OK. Oh, so we start off with a lot of concepting, um,
7: so where we do a lot of iterations on what the characters will look like, what the game's about, what the style is, and that usually involves several artists. And uh, um, and after that, so we start building the game. So, for example, on the project I work with, with Kerry, um, we were using Unity and 2D Toolkit, mm-hmm. and that usually involved me making assets in Photoshop, creating the PNGs, and then... Setting them up in a process that Carrie had to very laboriously teach me. <laughs> so you click on the thing and then don't tick the box. Do <laughs> not tick that box. If oh, you, you tick were that fine. box, <laughs> yeah, I only broke a few things <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, and and then we have lots of different packages and things which then process the assets and create them into bundles, which then go into the game and magic happens and then there's things and then yay. Um, and that you know that changes depending. You can use Flash. You can use or Unity is a big one that we've started using a lot, or uh, various other bits of software.
3: Um, do you have a particular art style? Like looking through all of your work, I'm, I, it didn't <laughs> seem like um, one particular style. Yeah. Like there. Were, it was pr- kind of varied. Quite varied yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I really enjoy
7: experimenting, with lots of different techniques, and I tend to see other artwork and go, "Ooh, how did you do that? I want to try doing that." That's nice. I like mm. this technique, and I think overall my style's very colourful. I really like bright, and I, like, I quite like watercolours and the f- a very painted feel, but with digital art. Like I do both traditional and digital media. Mm-hmm. How and much? I, I
6: like- do
4: you find that when you're um, involved in a game that you get to put your own imprint on, and how much comes down to you from other people? Um, well, in the
7: last in, uh, in the last project, it's not out yet, so I can't say what it is. <laughs> uh, I was the lead artist, so it was basically I looked how I wanted it to look. Mm. So I got to say, oh, you know, with obviously some input from kind, so it's never fully, you know, I'm, I'm not India, I can't just make it look <laughs> how I'm, I want to look. Um, but quite, you get quite a lot of input. I mean, you, know, you have to draw the thing day after day after day after day, so you have to. You end up putting your mark on it regardless. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. I started doing a, some three D work, three D texture painting. So not three D models. I paint the skin okay. of the models. So that's been really exciting.
3: And how uh, how do you take direction from clients or from writers or things? Do you? Does do someone like if you a spec and then or will you start drawing something first and go, well, I think this is kind of what it should look like or, like, how, how does the power structure of that work?
7: Um, I think that's... Uh, it depends on how much, I think, the client is part of the project because some projects we have our own IPs and then we have a lot of freedom as to what we do and then other ones, you know, you have to stay within very brand-defined guidelines. Like it just depends on which one. But usually we have, you know, we have our producers, we have our um, leads and kind of our art head our head of the studio is also kind of the head of creative stuff. <laughs> it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> and we kinda of get together and you do a lot of um concepting and working out and then a lot of back and forth. Like they they talk to the client and then it comes back to us and sometimes we have some input and we get to say, Oh, but this would work really well and this would be really cool if we did
8: like this and Then you just get me coming on Skype bullying you <laughs> to add more unicorns. Yes, <laughs> more
3: unicorns with <laughs> the and That's it. Like that sounds like a great, lovely, lovely few messages to get. Just
7: add more unicorns. Because <laughs> it's all the aspects of well, I'd like to make it like this, but we have limitations in the game. We have time constraints. We have there's, there's a lot to think about. But um, the system we work with in production is very good. It's agile and there's kind of little bits of sprints and uh, it's it's quite nice to work in because you can reiterate a lot.
3: Yeah. Um, so you had like quite a varied background, as you said. Yeah. Um, what? At, like were you involved in games beforehand or like what was the thing that sort of swept you into games oh i've always also played games oh okay well then there we go there
7: that's we go. good i love games i absolutely love games i play uh I've, we've owned nes nes a like a Sega mega drive a NES 64 in our house currently there's two ps4s and two 360s because my partner and i can't share <laughs> wow wow yeah. I, yeah I got an animal crossing 3ds because he was getting one and there was no way one only one of us was going to have one of those because they're so pretty
3: no. <laughs> um so is that something that you always thought you might like to get into sort of game arts? um yeah I, it, for
7: a long time it didn't seem like an option and, you know, I was going to do law and do another yeah. career and have a real job. <laughs> uh, and then I was working in a small business that was surrounded by creative businesses. And then one day I just walked into one of them, showed them my portfolio and went, do you think I could do this for a living? And they're like, yeah, no, give it a go. And then it was, did some freelancing, did bits of work here and there, some storyboards and um, found this job ad and went,
5: yes. I'd say I'm always amazed by people who can actually art. It's like <laughs> it's art. like meeting someone who can fly. Seriously, like it's such a weird alien thing to me. So, you like, can code, so that
2: you can't. Got, you got no, to, seriously, letters like, and numbers
4: make like, stuff happen. No, 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 that I work? can't can art or code, so. <laughs> and like, if people are interested in sort of seeing some of the stuff that you've done, some of the artwork that you've got in games, which ones should they should they be staring at?
7: Um, the one that's out is Amateur Surgeon 3, mm-hmm. and I will get back at you when the other ones are out. <laughs> yes, and I do. And I will be like, get this game, I've done stuff in this, and then this one <laughs> should be fairly soon for one of them.
3: Awesome. And hopefully soon for another one.
4: Send so. in a letter so we can listen to the letters jingle.
3: Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <you> do that. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Monica. Thank um, you. Yeah, uh, I really absolutely recommend going and looking at Monica's website because yeah. the art on there is amazing. How do you, you spell your last name so that I can go to your website? It's I O N. I O N. Okay. Awesome. Uh, let's have another little lesson from a profile.
9: Hi, yeah. I'm Natalie. Um, I'm from Vancouver. I work at the Microsoft office uh, as development support, or AKA like QA, um, in application development. Besides my QA life, I also try to develop games on the side, which I'll get into uh, later. Uh, I I also really love film. Um, I judged for the uh, Women in Film Festival for one year and the Vancouver uh, Short Film Festival in the next year. I uh, also produced a couple short films and animations, but uh, I originally was interested in being in film but decided to switch over to games. The game I made recently is called Miranda, and it's about a young girl who uh, goes to a new town and uh, starts a new life, and part of her getting set up in this new town is she remembers her past. So basically, as the user, you have a bunch of choices, and you could either reintegrate into her uh, new life, either well or negatively. It's up to the user inevitably what this game is is trying to do is just to see if this girl Miranda can uh, reintegrate into her new life. So this is this becomes a little bit difficult for me to talk to but my game is inspired but not necessarily based on cases like Retea Parsons and Amanda Todd where you have women committing suicide after like sexual abuse or just a lot of Traumatic things happening in their lives and um, their communities more than not forgiving of what happened to them. So, I mean, that was my launch board to write the story. And I feel like there was quite a bit of challenge writing these stories as well. So before Miranda, I did another game for a Game Jam prior to um, Miranda's production. So this game is called Hex and I made it for the I Am A Gamer Jam with a couple other people. Um and the game jam is you make a game with strong female leads in 48 hours. Uh the game was about a young scientist named Oriana. Um she is wrongly accused of being a witch and so her town offers her to a uh, monster as a sacrifice and this monster has been terrorizing their town. So it's a means to appease the monster. Um and a real witch comes her name is Bella she comes and she saves Oriana, and together they fight the monster. Uh yeah, so I made it with Phil, Laurel and uh Matthew and uh it was a pretty good first uh game jam experience I've ever had. Uh and we won a prize for it. Um yeah, it was pretty cool. The very first game I had ever made as sort of a experiment and homage to every like single kind of game I liked. like like It's this game called um, Circle of Fates, and um, the premise of the game is you're uh, a young man called Bias, and you are told you are the hero, the one that's going to save the world and stuff. But unfortunately, this gets to your head, and you make a bunch of mistakes, and you just, like, um, the end of the game is the party has to kind of clean up for you. Um, So yeah, uh... I mean it's sort of like a top-down Zelda style like Final Fantasy <laughs> combat type game and that was the first game I ever made um, which was not too long ago Currently I'm looking for help on an Android game about sailing and the use of stars for navigation I'm also learning code myself I've learned the basics of Python and now I'm learning JavaScript Just a note I studied at the Emily Carr University in Vancouver I have a bachelor in arts. I thought code. I thought code and me would be hopeless, but I love it. I encourage all people who are curious about code to dive right in. I, I'm encouraged to make games from like now until like forever. So. <laughs>
3: studio having a little dance to this, Um, this is Why Do You Care by My Explosion and again it's from chipmusic.org. How are you doing Pip? I'm doing very well, Yeah, having a great time. Are you? Mm -hmm. How do you think it's going? Really well. Do you think I should just sack off Steve and Simon? Didn't we? I mean, Uh, Is that not just mm -hmm. where they are, you've sacked them? (laughs) (laughs) May as well have done, may as well have done it. I mean they're
4: not putting the hours in, (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there, if they were they would be
3: here, they're not, therefore, mm, all change no <laughs> uh, so hey guys we're all good to be here every week right
6: <laughs> yeah <No>. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Kerry hi hi Anne hi, hi A- Pip. hello how's it going
8: going good thanks yeah, yeah. Uh, so you come up from Brighton <laughs> I have all the way from Brighton
3: <laughs> <laughs> so far away <laughs> um, you have uh, opened up Your own studio with an awesome name, also animal-themed.
8: Yes, um, like me too, I'm running a micro-studio, or I've been going for boutique studio. (laughs) Oh, I like that. that. (laughs) Which is another way of saying it's the corner of my lounge. Yeah, I work on my own in a (laughs) dark room. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've I've opened a boutique studio called The Rabbit Club, um, which releases games and virtual reality and weird art projects that are a bit like games or VR but aren't really
3: um you uh, recently had well actually how long ago was it you had heartwood heartwood uh. came out um about three
8: months ago and oh no two or three months ago yeah. I don't know what month <laughs> it is but
3: it came out in July um it's such a lovely game thank you um I really enjoyed playing it I was a bit well I was quite mesmerized by it. Ah, it's got really to hear. really beautiful art it's got such a lovely pace and it's like it's quite unexpected at the end you're like oh oh, oh it's mm. it's so beautiful can you i mean how much do you want people to know about it before they've played it because it's quite sh- it's
8: quite short it's
4: yeah because what short. you're saying makes me want to know more but also without spoilers yes. <laughs> okay I'll,
8: I'll try and do this in a non-spoilery way um it's interesting what you said about the ending because i i was worried about um I wanted the game to be beautiful and unsettling, but um, and and it draws on some horror movie influences, but I wouldn't categorise it as a horror game. Um, and it's nice that you said that it was beautiful because that's what I was going for. I, um, I I didn't want it to be sort of a cheap jump scare or anything like that, but I was trying to trying to invent uh, the jump epiphany. Um, <laughs>
3: I think I did okay. Yeah, it is very atmospheric. Mm. Uh, I mean, the art style is kind of black and, well, it's all grey, whitey, black and whitey. It's all of those colours, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it is. Monochrome? uh, Oh
8: no, the sky's purple. Mm. Uh,
3: And (laughs) and you are in a wood and it's like
8: crunchy under feet. It was. um, Atmosphere was super important, Um, as well as games. I'm really, really into. theme parks and pleasure gardens and sort of um, curated physical spaces, like installation art, that, that sort of thing, like um, places where you go to have an experience. Mm. And I think there's a lot of potential for games or things that are a bit like games to draw on that, and that's what I was trying to do there.
3: It's sort of uh, the kind of thing that boring people would go, well, it's not a game. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like people that say that because um, also, A, who cares? And B, um, like you're having a really a fun interactive experience with mm. it. I mean,
8: I, I was on the fence about calling it a game um, and all of the initial copy that I wrote for the website and everything described it as, I think, an interactive adventure or... or a sort of a short story that you explore, or something like that. Um, I don't mind people calling it a game. I'm undecided on that one. Yeah.
3: yeah. Y- do you feel sometimes a little bit uh, uh, claustrophobic with the title of game? Do you feel yes. like it has to be? A set- I think it carries
8: baggage. I think it um, carries a great many expectations about how you'll interact with it, whether there's a, a win state or a lose state, and I think the absence of those things in my work more than how I feel about other people might perceive it, but sort of how I perceive it myself. Um, that The fact that it is just intended as an interesting 10 minutes but that's not very seo so um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> couldn't get the url for that so i've gone for heartwoodgame.com
4: <laughs> but given your um your sort of uh, lexical successes so far you've got your boutique studio oh, yeah. and you've got your jump epiphanies is there any um <laughs> sort of term that you've found is helpful in talking about those kinds of experiences or I is, is th- it something that we just sort of struggle to put into words at the moment and hopefully something will come
8: I haven't come up with a catchy term for it yet. Um, I, I find that if I talk around it for a minute or two I get there but I haven't I haven't quite come up with the, the pithy take on it. Mm. The steam category that
3: makes <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sound it's awesome that, that's and still immediately up for grabs I think. Yeah. yeah. Well if anyone wants to write in and offer suggestions uh, do write <laughs> in to team@oneleft.com and we'll be ha- sure to pass them on. Um what so that is uh, the most recent thing that yes. you have put out. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw that you have just put some work-in-progress stuff on your website as well.
8: Yeah, I'm working on a second project. Uh, Hartwood was um, was a collaboration between me and Dan Bibby, who is a musician um, I worked with. He he contributed um, the audio and a lot of the design decisions and, and the, the feel of it um, came from him as well. It was initially a very short personal project that through his involvement grew into something a bit more lush and mysterious and full fat and we enjoyed working together and we're working together again the screenshots I've been posting are from a second game that is similarly more of a story you experience or something that happens to you I expect it to be short again definitely less than 20 minutes um And this one, we're sort of feeling our way with ideas at the moment, but um, it's set in the Pennines. Lovely. Thanks. Can (laughs) I ask where that is? Uh, The Pennines is um, between Yorkshire and Lancashire. Oh, OK. Yeah. Mm.
3: Not many games... Not Cur- yet. Currently <laughs> set there. I th- maybe Were seeing the birth there? of a franchise, and yeah. It's the heart
2: new location.
3: <laughs> um, and aside from this kind of stuff, what, what else
8: do you do? Um, I, I work in, in the games industry for a living, have done for the past few years. Um, I'm freelance these days. Uh, I'm a programmer, gameplay programmer usually. Um, I worked for a year at MediaTonic with Monica and with yeah. um, yeah. Edveer. Um, prior to that bits of freelancing i worked at little loud for um three years or so yeah um so yeah pay the um, the bills doing that you did a sweatshop didn't you yes that's right yes i worked on the original and then the doomed ipad remake which broke everyone's heart
3: oh no good (laughs) old (laughs) apple (laughs) thanks for that apple um have you got over that? Yet? Just about, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm fine.
8: <laughs> oh, God. That was so um,
2: unbelievable.
8: Yeah, <laughs> like. I know, it was shocking, wasn't it? Well, actually, no. I mean, it, I can't believe it, it was allowed to happen. happen but. Uh, can you just briefly
3: explain it, because I'm sure oh, there yeah. are some listeners who don't.
8: Um, so when I was at Little Loud, we worked on a uh, project for Channel 4 Education that we worked um, in collaboration with a charity on, um, which was educating teenagers about um, sweatshop conditions in fashion. Uh, in the fashion industry, and it was um, it, it was a, an educational game that took the form of a simulation that tried to put you in the shoes of people working in that industry. So it wasn't a, um, a didactic take on education. It was putting you in the lived role of, well, if you shut down the sweatshop, these people lose their jobs. Is that necessarily better for... You know, it made you make all these decisions, and um, it was enormously well-received um, as a flash game. And we brought it out on iOS, and it was out for two weeks on iOS before Apple pulled it. Um, I'm not quite sure how much I'm allowed to say about the actual process there, but essentially... from what I
4: remember, like, it was because it breached their terms and conditions because they tend to sort of say, well, if you
8: want to make a political statement, go write a book. Write a book, That's Basically, basically the yeah.
4: gaming and apps are no place for that kind yeah. of
8: thing. I mean, they, they have an appeals process that we entered into, and um, as part of the appeals process, we we at Little Lown spoke to them and said, was there a particular joke that you felt was near the knuckle? Because it, it did have black mm. comedy, and we thought... It's educational, but if there's any one particular joke that's causing this to cross the line, let us know. And to paraphrase the response we got, the theme of it being set in a sweatshop is the main problem. <laughs> that is unbelievable.
3: Um, well, that, that's <laughs> terrible. But you've got great projects that are out now that oh, yeah. people can um, go on your website. They can uh,
8: come to therabbitclub.com to see what I'm working on.
3: Lovely. Um, In the similar way that
8: I'm amazed by Monica for being an
5: artist, I'm amazed by Kerry <laughs> because, like, you make things which are visually so beautiful. Uh, like, even um, though you're a programmer, thank and, you. And like, I think that's just amazing as well. Like, just yes,
2: yeah, I definitely <laughs> multi talent Yeah,
3: recommend going and looking at Kerry's games. Uh, let's have another listen to our last profile.
10: Hi, I'm Mara Baz and I make games. I think that play is this super powerful force that we can use for lots of different kinds of things, and that there's so much more to it than commercial experiences about bros shooting other bros. So I've made games about hugging your friends, having awkward conversations with family members, and hitting someone in a consensual environment. I also curate games for my Project Forest Ambassador, which is about collecting accessible, free online games about interesting topics. And in all my work, I'm interested in exploring play as a tool for imagining better worlds, for building community, and for self-examination. So right now I'm editing an anthology of interactive fiction games made using the hypertext tool Twine. Projects like that are really important to me because people, and especially marginalized people like women, people of color, and queers, are doing really powerful and important work in the medium of games, and I want to share that with people who aren't involved in those scenes. You can find all my work online at mkopas.net, or find me on Twitter at M underscore K-O-P-A-S.
3: Awesome. Uh, well, we've come to the end of the show. Uh, thank you so much to all of the guests that have come in. Miss, I realise that we haven't said your website and it's very important that we oh, do. Oh, gosh.
5: OK, it's thetiniashark.com. Um, and you can get Red Shirt from
3: RedShirtGame.com. Awesome! Um, thank you so much for uh, everybody that's contributed. Everybody that got in touch. Um, I was super overwhelmed. I just put out a little tweet and said, "Hey, do any ladies want to come on the show?" <laughs> um, and, and you did it uh, like that, well, Jess. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and they did, and it was amazing. Uh, I will be back next week with Steve and Simon, hopefully. Aww, I know, no. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. they, bother if they bother showing up. If they bother showing up, but we will look forward to seeing everyone then have a lovely week bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs>